This is a very special episode of the Ideas Lab podcast because this one is announcing my brand new book. I shall warn you that this episode has a few swear words in it and you'll discover why in a moment. So please bear that in mind if you're not listening to this on your own. But to rewind and tell the story of my book so far, which is very relevant to this new book, I wrote Screwwork Let's Play back in 2009. So Screwwork Let's Play, How to Do What You Love and Get Paid for It, was published by Pearson. And it came out in 2010 in the summer, and it was immediately really quite successful. It was something of a, a cult hit. And it was named the week it came out as one of the buzz books of the summer by the Sunday Times Style Magazine, and it's since been translated into 10 languages. I think of Screw a Let's Play as a book that's kind of a guide to success and a guide particularly to um, to success in your own business or, or working for yourself for a right-brained person. Now, I know that technically we've discovered that that is not really neurologically accurate so that we are divided into left brain and right brain people. But I think everyone knows what it means now. We know that broadly speaking, the right side of the brain does the creative stuff and the left side of the brain does logic. And what I found throughout my career as a somewhat less than conventional person who uh, was obsessed by my creative pursuits I found that normal careers advice wasn't really all that helpful. It was pretty, first of all, it was really dry to read. And it seemed to doom me to doing things I didn't really want to be doing, like jobs I didn't enjoy and going through hoops and and the process of getting hired in a way that didn't suit me either. And so over many years, I found a way of picking my way through the world, of getting jobs I wanted, of freelancing, of consulting, and have started my own business and making it work in a way that worked for me as somebody who is not organized, not particularly focused, has billions of ideas, lots of interests, and is easily distracted by things. And also, when when I'm doing my work, when I'm choosing what to do, it's as important to me to be doing something that I enjoy and I'm excited by, but also has an element of creative expression. Uh, and that's just as important as how much money I'm making. Now, I love to get paid well, and I've had some really well-paid jobs, and my uh, business makes six figures, and, and it pays me well. But I that wasn't my number one priority, because if it had been, I would have stayed in my job as a senior managing consultant at Deloitte and stayed on the, the partner track. And uh, I was two steps away from partner and you can make a lot of money if you get to partner. And if I uh, had succeeded in doing that, you can actually make millions at Deloitte. But I would have been miserable. And so when I got this book deal, it was really based on all my experience of custom building jobs, which is something I'd done three times by that point, of um breaking into freelance writing from scratch and getting published in The Guardian and the Reader's Digest, getting paid more money than people normally get paid, getting more uh, a higher work count than you were supposed to get. Uh, it was based on going straight into consulting for the BBC and other blue chip companies at a high level at twice the rate other people did. And also on my experience of working for myself 
running my own business, which was uh, quite early back then in 2010, and running a live event, which was part of my business called Scanners Night for people who are scanners, that is people who have, like me, lots of ideas, lots of interests, and love learning for the sake of learning, good at starting things, not so good at finishing things. I've recorded a couple of episodes of the podcast about scanners, if you're interested in that. And so when I wrote Screw a Let's Play, I was writing a book for me, a book for people like us, and one that would actually be fun to read and exciting and inspiring. And a, a big part of that is the stories in there of people who had really unconventional careers. And that's a really inspiring thing I find whenever I'm reading a book. But also alongside that, there was a whole philosophy of work, which I put together for people like us, that was not about having an exact five-year plan and working your way through it in a logical form, but being a little bit more instinctual and finding a way of operating where you could you could enjoy your career at every step of the way and play it out to go somewhere really exciting and where what you are doing and how much you enjoyed it and how much ex uh, creative expression you had in it was just as important as how much you're getting paid. And so the book really hit a hit a spot with a, a lot of people, it turned out. And as I say, it became a cult hit and was translated all over the world. And I went on to write a, another book, Screw Work, Break Free, which came out four years ago, which was how to get a business started in 30 days or, or get a money-making idea off the ground. And when it came around to this year, this year is the... 10th anniversary of my first book, Screw Well, Let's Play. And I thought it'd be really nice to do a 10-year anniversary edition. And when I proposed that to the publisher, to Pearson, they said, uh, well, funny, you've been thinking about that because we've been thinking about it. And also we've been in discussions of a major retailer, who I can't name right now, and they're keen on, um, if you if you do this, and you change the title, then this book will probably become book of the month in one of the biggest book retailers in the UK. And so that was an exciting opportunity. And I started work on the book and actually did the bulk of the work in the end in Thailand. So I'd booked a month away in Thailand before I actually um, had the book deal for definite. And I went to Thailand for a month in January of this year, just as COVID was starting to emerge. And by the time I was in Thailand and I was on the island of Koh Lanta and I settled down in the co-working space and meeting people there and had a place to live, uh, I was kind of fairly short of time to work on the book. So I went into this massive sprint to uh, conduct interviews of people who I wanted to feature in the book and to update some of the case studies that are featured in the book and to rewrite lots of the content and so that's what I did over the course of, of primarily um, uh, the first sprint was, was really about nine days where I worked just w without stop um, over all the weekends and worked fairly long days and then enjoyed myself in the evenings at beach bars with all the people I met in Thailand at the co-working space. So I, was not, I wasn't suffering too much. You, you'll be relieved to hear. And uh, once that was out of the way and the first draft was done and then there was lots of revisions to do and other work to do and that went on for another 
couple of months. But what was really fascinating during that process was that when I got in touch with all the people who are featured as case studies in the original book from 10 years ago, I found out that they were pretty much all still in business. But not only that, the people who I featured because they had funny, sort of quirky, fascinating, creative, unusual businesses in the early days had gone on to build formidable companies. I mean, it was really quite surprising. Well, not quite surprising, but but really affirming. And it and it it really convinced me that what I'd been writing about, I mean, I already knew it was true from my own career and from working with thousands of clients, but then to see people go uh, from people featured in the book itself to go from, in one case of Petra Barron, who's one of the people I featured, she was driving a, she created this mobile tro- chocolate van and she drove it to all the music festivals in the UK, uh, handing out, uh, selling gourmet drinking chocolate. And she'd gone on to form Eat Street, which is an organization that basically drove the whole of the street food movement uh, from what I can understand, in the UK, which was huge uh, and really took off five years ago and has changed the food scene permanently in this country. And she then went on to form another organisation called Curb Food, which is an incubator for street food vendors. And that was a similar story for uh, Sam Bompus and Harry Parr, who had been doing wacky experiments with food, just by coincidence was another food thing, um, around jelly and stuff when I first interviewed them and breathable cocktails. And then I caught up with them in Thailand and did this Skype call with them. And they said, well, you know, here we are in our, this is our office now. And they kind of showed me the office and angled the computer, show me like we've got 12, I can't remember if it was 12 or 20 staff here. And we're now an international flavor studio. And they have, uh, they, they design flavors and experiences around food and drink. And they work with the biggest brands in the world. You name it, they've, they've worked with them. And so it just goes to show that you could start in the very playful way, which is a concept of the heart of the original book, and end up somewhere really impressive uh, with a really major business and still be enjoying your work at the end of it if you follow the kind of things I was writing about in Screw Work, Let's Play. So for this newer version, the what I wanted to do was update those case studies of the people I'd already interviewed. And they're, they are, they're, they're great. They're just, they're really worth reading. It's worth getting the book just for those, I think. I also interviewed some new people who had not been featured in the original book. Uh, a couple of brothers who invented the world's first healthy ice cream, also massively successful now. A client of mine, Dan, uh, on how he got his very first ever photography gig when he wanted to get into photography after having been in uh, engineering most of his career. And lots of lots of fascinating stories in there. Uh, so I wanted to compile all those new stories and inspire people all over again. Also, I wanted to update the marketing advice and basically all of the advice throughout, but particularly the marketing stuff. Um, at the time I wrote the first book, Twitter was still quite new and Instagram hadn't been invented. So clearly it needed to be updated somewhat. And I also wanted to give 
a um, a new tighter focus on monetization. So I really wanted to make sure that if you read Screwer Let's Play or the new form of it, and I will tell you the title in a moment if you don't already know it, and uh, if you read that new book, you would have no doubt at all how to get a something off the ground that was really going to get you paid, not just pocket money, but real income. So that was one of my new focuses in a new version of the book. And so it reads like a new book. There are some sections that are, uh, some content has been carried over, but I've, I've touched almost every single section of the book and there are 50 new pages and there's a whole bunch of new things called power-ups. So this is my idea for like, how do you speed up the journey to getting paid to play, as I call it, getting paid to do something you would you enjoy doing and which has meaning for you? How do you make that as fast as possible? And also, how do you avoid those pitfalls which delay people and stop them making money from what they love at all? So there's a whole bunch of power-ups pepper throughout the book. And then the the funny thing was when I had that conversation with Pearson and they talked about the retailer who is very keen on the idea of a new book, an agreement had been made that actually we should toughen up the title a little bit. When I first wrote Screwer Let's Play and I was talking to a creative mentor, trying to come up with a name because that wasn't the name of the book originally, um, this mentor, this, uh, now a friend of mine, Jerry Hyde, said well, surely this is like, this is a radical book. This is a revolution in work. It's got to be called Fuck Work, hasn't it? And so I kind of laughed at him and thought, okay, that's a bit strong. There was probably only one other book uh, with, with the F word in the title at the time. And that was John Parkin's Fuck It, The Ultimate Spiritual Way. And I've since become friends of John. And he's written several other books uh, in that series, which have been great. And... um. I pulled my punches a little bit. I also thought that Pearson back then wouldn't have gone for that strength of title. So uh, we called it Screw Work, Let's Play in the end. This time around, we've actually agreed that it should be called Fuck Work, Let's Play. And so that's what the book is going to be. It's got two asterisks in the F word uh, at the beginning of the title. It's kind of particularly important because the F word is the first word you see on the book. So it's kind of makes it stronger than some of those other books that have got the F word in them. The subtitle is do what you love and get paid for it. So fuck work. Let's play is now about to be published. It's going to be published at the beginning of August, 2020 on ebook. Now things have got a little bit complicated because what we're trying to arrange is that when the paperback comes out, it becomes book of the month in this major retailer, as I mentioned. And so we're actually deliberately not publishing the e uh, the paperback just yet. So the ebook will come in August and you'll be able to get that on Amazon fairly soon. It's not completely set up. So I'm giving you kind of early notice. We're building a dedicated website for it, which will be at fworkletsplay.com. And I'll be up in a few days time. And the paperback will come probably at the end of this year, uh, if not the beginning of next. And then somewhere in between, I will be doing an audio book because I know people are, I, I love audio books and a lot of people are very keen on that. Uh, so hopefully that's going to happen sometime uh, 
certainly by the time the paperback comes out. That would be my intention. And I think, you know, I thought about like, what do people need right now? As uh, I was in Thailand, the, it was, as I flew to Thailand, I'd heard about this virus that was in China. And I thought, you know, I'm going to Asia. I might be increasing my risk here. And as, as I stayed in Thailand for 30 days, people, more and more people started to talk about this virus, started to take it more seriously. And I left uh, somewhere around February the 24th to come home. I wore a mask as I went through the airport and for the f- first part of the plane journey. And I, everyone was very aware at that point that the virus did look like it was going to be pretty serious. Now, I mean, ironically, I got home and it seemed like most of Western Europe and America sat on their hands for another month before they actually did anything significant, which is, to me, unforgivable. Because if you'd, if you'd been in Asia, you would have seen how seriously people were taking it and how well they've subsequently coped with it. And since then, we've seen lockdown occur uh, in the UK and other places around the world. And people are talking about a deep recession. So, you know, there was some discussion between me and my peers and, uh, you know, is the title um, unsympathetic to our situation? Is the book out of step with where people are? And I'm a firmer believer that that is absolutely not the case. It's really more important than ever. And I, I in fact, when I wrote Screwer Let's Play, the original version of this book, I wrote it in 2009 and we were just beginning to feel the impact of the banking crisis of this massive financial crash. In some ways, we, we've never really completely come out of it now, 10 years later. And what I saw was people saying, oh, well, I'll just keep my head down then and I won't even think about my job or my career or what I'd rather do. And, and I thought, like, that's crazy because this is when you're most likely to lose your job. And what I've learned in the, certainly it's been reinforced in the intervening 10 years, is that working out what you want to do is actually one of the biggest parts of changing career. Actually, changing career then is just a bunch of tasks to put on your to-do list. You know, email this person, go to interview or start business, whatever it might be. It's the deciding that's tough. And the, and the first couple of chapters of Screw Let's Play deal with that very effectively from, uh, from what the reviews say and, and in my own opinion. And so I would strongly encourage you, if you listen to this and you're thinking, well, you know, should I just kind of ignore this for now? Don't do that. At least think about what you want to do. And I think on top of that, I noticed in 2009 that it was interesting to me that a lot of people who saw that the world was in a shaky financial state, instead of, you know, some of the people who had the best options in front of them, instead of just thinking, well, how can I make as much money as possible? They actually wanted to do something that was more meaningful because when the world sort of in an uncertain form, I think people just thought, well, I might as well do something I really care about and because we don't know what's going to happen anyway. And so I saw a lot of people searching for meaning and that was that really influenced my thinking when I was writing the first book. And I'm seeing that now, 10 years later, as we are, as we've seen COVID and lockdown, and we see what is likely to be a coming recession, I would say that it's never been more important to read the book because one of the fundamental concepts in there is not to think like a worker bot, which is a term I've carried over from 
my second book, Screw Her, Break Free. And a worker bot is somebody who just kind of ticks boxes, does what they're told, hopes it's all going to work out, follows the rules. And, you know, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. It's particularly ineffective when the world is in a massive state of flux. When everything is in play, you need to become not a worker, but a player. Now, it's a stretch using that word, I know, but I've I've been trying to reinvent this word for, for 10 years and uh, by God, it's going to work in the end. And so I believe that you need to become a player, not a worker. And what I mean by that is you think something more like an entrepreneur or like the creative person you were born to be. This is the way we were when we were four years old before anyone sent us to school and told us to sit down and told us that our thought, you know, there's one right answer and every other answer is wrong and to behave ourselves and to put your hand up if you want to go to the toilet and everything else you learn when you go to school. And being a player, the natural state is is like you're in tune of yourself and you know what you want. And then every urge you have, I mean, this is obviously not a great way to always work as an adult, but every urge you have, you try to enact that and make what you want come about. That's what babies do and that's what children do. Now, of course, as adults, we have to behave uh, more responsibly for that and we have to understand that we can't always have what we want. But when we can have what we want, when we can have a new career, when we can have a successful business, when we get paid to do something we really care about, then you need to think like a player and you need to go for that and find creative ways and find the persistence to make it happen. These are all things that the school system, if we're not careful, can knock out of us and turn us into someone who's much more passive. It certainly did for me. And also life events can do that and some people's parents kind of add into the mix and make that worse. So when the world is in play, you need to be a player. You need to be willing to think creatively. You need to be willing to roll with the punches. You need to be able to think in your think on your feet. Uh, but in order, but you're still operating according to some fundamental principles, which is this principle of playing out where you're going and going for what you want, but then seeing how the market responds and adjusting your trajectory and your approach according to what happens out there. So for instance, you put an idea for a business out into the world and everybody kind of latches onto some part of it, which you thought wasn't even important and may ignore the thing you thought was going to be the big draw for your business. And maybe you realize you have to reposition your entire business around this part that everyone else finds exciting, even if it's not what you thought was going to be most important. So these are some of the ideas that are covered in Fuck Work, Let's Play. I wanted to give you this kind of, um, of this shot across the bowels for the book is coming. We don't know exactly what day. It's a little bit frustrating when an ebook comes out because you give it to Amazon and then they put it up at some point and even the publisher doesn't know exactly what day. It's likely to be somewhere around the 3rd of August. But if you, um, I will make sure that we do a podcast to announce when that's available. And I'm going to do something very cool. I'm going to do some very cool bonuses for people who buy the ebook the week it comes out uh, on Amazon. So I know it's definitely going to be on Kindle. I haven't actually found out if it's going to be on Apple iBooks yet, but it'll definitely be on Kindle 
and uh, I'll keep you posted on everything else as it becomes available. So I hope that's an exciting piece of news for you. I think it's, I'm really pleased with the book. If Even if you've read Screw Her, Let's Play, I think it'd be well worth getting the new version. I've bought new versions of people's books when I've particularly enjoyed them because as I say, the entire book has been updated and the new stories alone are so great. They are so fun and inspiring and have such great lessons in them that I really encourage you to read it for that. And if you haven't read Screw Her, Let's Play, then I think you're in for a treat. I'm, I'm really proud of this one. So I'll keep you posted with news as it becomes available. All the best until then. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ideas Lab podcast. Please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed this episode, it would be great if you could leave us a review. You can get links and details of everything mentioned in the podcast in the show notes, along with photos and video clips from many of our episodes. Just go to theideaslab.org forward slash podcast. Thank you.